0: Welcome to the RHP Market Talk podcast, episode 20, brought to you by Royal Harbor Partners Wealth Management, located along the beautiful Gulf Coast of Houston, serving families across the country. I'm Natalie Pika, founding partner.
1: And I'm Glenn Royal, founding partner. And
2: I'm Jason Strzeski, investment analyst for the firm.
0: Well, I'd like to start our conversations out today by recognizing that our team just celebrated our three-year anniversary of the launch of RHP as an independent advisory firm. And I just want to say we attribute our ongoing success to the families we serve and the trust they put in our team. So to all of you out there listening to today's podcast, thank you. And congratulations, guys, because here we are after three years and quite a historic three years that it's been. Understatement of the year. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. That is an understatement. We were just preparing to, to do this recording, and we were talking about, well, what are we going to talk about? And Jason said... There is not a shortage of things to talk about today. Today's recording comes just after a historic Federal Reserve interest rate hike yesterday of 75 basis points. That is the highest hike we've had since 1994. Glenn, you've seen this before. You've actually been around.
1: I was a young man back then. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, and and part of what we're seeing with this hike, if we go back to last year, we were expecting only a quarter of a point increase in federal funds rate this year. Right. That was what was baked in the cake. Well, we've seen things change. Uh, Obviously, things have changed a lot. And the increases that the Fed has done recently, I think, is interesting because they've increased the Fed funds rate by a total of one and three quarters points over the last three hikes. Mm -hmm. That takes us the Fed funds level right back to where we were when the pandemic started. Right. So they haven't really started the path of tightening beyond that. We're just starting to get into that this year. Mm-hmm. And what I think the catalyst was: we were looking for a half a point increase this last go-around, but then that Michigan Consumer Index came out, right. and sentiment, sentiment came in at like 14-year lows. And then if we look at the actual indicator, it was showing uh, consumer sentiment at levels lower. Than we saw in 2008, the dot-com, and even lower than uh, the late 70s during that inflationary period. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the catalyst is for people feeling so poorly, politics coming out of pandemic, you know, you name it. There's a number of reasons. But we're responding so much quicker, so much faster, these market news. In this case, it caused the Fed to raise rates a full three-quarters rather than that half. Right. What we have on the table going forward is expectations of either a three, another half a point, but most likely three quarters of a point increase in September, excuse me, July. Then in September, you'll look at a half a point increase and then subsequent quarter of a point increases. So we'll probably finish the year where we started at a quarter of a point on the federal funds rate, we'll finish this year at three and a quarter percent is the estimate that right. We'll see right And that now. is
0: just such a fast paced, it's just the, the pace of change that we're seeing in these markets. Kind of going back to Jason's point, so much to talk about, there is a lot baked into these markets. We'll talk about markets being forward looking, but the the sentiment, the market being so far ahead, inflation being so far ahead, Fed having to kind of play catch up with that 75 basis point hike, the speed and to your point, the kind of the anxiety in this market is, literally off the charts from a historical point of view.
1: There, there's also some other things going on. Jason, we've talked about uh, the tick index. Why don't you tell mm-hmm. us what that is and what you're seeing there?
2: Yeah, we're, we're taking a look at the tick index and it really shows uh, volumes of inflows and outflows of trading on the day and uh, just watching it and the drastic moves that it'll make intraday. I know I've talked about this before, seeing sector rotations, but just looking at the, the inflows and outflows on a daily basis uh, it almost feels excessive and that a lot of that can be attributed to algorithmic trading which essentially runs the market you know it's what 40 50% roughly trading yeah. sometimes on a given daily mm-hmm. basis and then when we have uh, Very important data releases. Fed meeting, Jerome Powell speaking yesterday. I mean, on every last word, the market was all over the place trading-wise. And it's, it's been very interesting to see the fast, the the past several Fed meetings when Jerome Powell spoke, we've gotten a strong equity lift post-speak and during-speak and then the day after, kind of gives it all away. Fed giveth, Fed taketh. And What we're kind of concerned about a little bit now is one of the points that Jerome Powell brought up is he's going to start addressing headline inflation as well. So that's including more volatile pieces of CPI, so energy, food prices as well. And that's going to take a lot more hikes and a lot more pressure, which might put us into, (laughs) let's just say, a scenario we don't want to be in. But they're trying to thread the needle, and I think it's becoming more and more difficult as these figures and as things develop, so what we're trying to do, we're we're really hyper focused on the on the consumers and what actual consumption levels are. You know, we have sentiment at all time lows. It's kind of shocking to think that we're below 2008, 1980, but here we are. So for this next earning period, earnings period, we're looking to see if that consumer sentiment corresponds with actual consumer behavior and we're seeing, you know, breadcrumbs in certain pockets of the market, riskier parts, the tech that we've been talking, this rotation, tech to value. Well, free money period's done, so we're seeing a rotation out of that area. So, where's the first place to, you know, take away investment from these large corporations? It's from that free money pocket of the market. So, Glenn, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that I you know, what I'm seeing is I think up to up to the last couple of sessions, I and mean, we're have a pretty hard down day to day, it was all about interest rate adjustment. How swift those rates move and mm-hmm. the market was pricing that. Now we've shifted towards possibly pricing in a recession. And I think the market's really starting to focus in on that. There's some things that we look at in the uh, earnings estimates. So, you know, we tie PE multiple onto that price earnings multiple. Right now, Wall Street consensus, all the strategists out there. What's your consensus? Uh, consensus is for us to end this year at two hundred twenty-seven dollars on earnings per share of the S and P five hundred. If I put a twenty multiple on that, which mm-hmm. is a historical average, that puts the S and P about forty-six seventeen on the end of the year. It's currently thirty-six fifty-two, so that's a thousand points higher. Yeah. So right. we are seeing, I think, this between the volatility that we're seeing in trading through algorithmic trading, uh, a buyer strike, if you will. When you get these kind of markets, people sit on their hands. They don't do bids. Right. So you, you see that program trading just take off and move and reset prices. But I, I, my concern is that if the recession develops, the Fed is doing this rate increase, they're data dependent. They're seeing the same things we're seeing. But if I start to see corporate earnings roll over, that's my big concern. Does the Fed policy mistake happen when they push too much on Fed increases to fight inflation while earnings come down and we cross that point? If I take S&P earnings down to 200 bucks, low on the streets to a five, which is interesting, on a 19 multiple, which is our historical average P multiple. Right. That takes us to thirty nine hundred on the S and P. Again, we're thirty six fifty one. So we can still finish the year with yeah. some gain from yeah. those levels. Not maybe not a calendar year gain, right? But it's things that we're watching very closely and, and we'll talk a little bit about how we've shifted the portfolio and some of the things that we've seen.
0: Yeah. I also want to touch on something that Jason just mentioned and that's the strength of the consumer. Um, something that I've been seeing a lot of and kind of kicking around lately is you know, economics 101. It, it, in some ways, people are trying to connect a lot of different dots in this economy, right? So um, pandemic, um, we had supply chain instability. That supply chain's demand and supply, that fed into the, it's still feeding into the inflation story. The the Fed's action to inflation is let's raise interest rates because we're trying to slow down the consumer, but the health of the consumer and where are we right now. So it's something we've yeah. mentioned in some past podcasts, but the consumer drives this economy. And, and the Fed is trying to get them to slow down. And the consumer is also the person that has the job or does not have the job. So these are all really simple economics 101 things yeah. that. I think people just need to be reminded of, this is all that's going into this, right? So what,
1: what kind of brought this inflation <laughs> on was our demand for goods and we were all working from yep. home, right? Right. 14% higher than before the pandemic started. Got a lot of money thrown your way from mm-hmm. the federal government. Interest rates have come down drastically during that period. But now we've shifted away from those goods. You've seen that in Walmart. You've seen it in Target and their recent reported company announcements. It's not that the consumer's not buying. We've just shifted our interest in things we want. So all that inventory they built up, yeah, the leggings, all that stuff, yeah. nobody's buying it. So they're they're over-inventory. They're stuffed. And mm-hmm. part of that reason, too, they were the two biggest retailers in the country. If I'm a supplier, I'm going to make sure Walmart Target's taken care of, right? Yeah. So they had inventory. Others didn't. Uh, but the shift now is going towards services. And we see that clearly in air travel. So airlines... People aren't balking at paying up for the surcharge of higher fuel prices that airlines are having to pay. They're paying the tickets. They're going to the beach. Yeah. They're out of here for the summer. We've been cooped up for two years. So that pendulum of consumer behavior swings from goods to services, and it's it's like listing from one side of the ship to the other. And we're still trying to get back to that center ballast in here between these two, but Uh, It's whipsawing us around on economics.
2: I think what we're really seeing is just this giant reset in policy, in the market, in consumer behavior, just everything altogether. And it's incredibly painful in a lot of pockets and a lot of areas. But it's something that we need to have done uh, to get more normalized rates historically. You want to talk about more historical figures that we're expecting to see uh,
1: due to this? Uh, what do you think? You know, uh, coming out of 2008, I think this is a big sea change that's going on that we're all having to deal with. Coming out of the 2008 period, you had a period of low and falling inflation combined with low interest rates. You know, Fed was expending its mm-hmm. balance sheets, yeah. things like that. That really fed into the last decade. So the sea change we're, we're seeing, and I call this the revenge of the old economy, is you're starting to see what worked the last decade no longer working. So innovative technology companies, uh, the non-earning technology companies, hard to invest in that kind of business when you have no earnings because of the cost of money going up Mm -hmm. through higher rates. It's made us shift the portfolio over towards value, companies that pay us dividends and cash flow, as well as keeping with the tech that are established technology companies that do make money. So we're kind of barbelling this portfolio, heavier weight towards the value, the dividend players, but we're adding in that portion of the tech, we're maintaining it, that makes money. All those companies on the com, that new economy that benefited from this very, very cheap money, the last decade, that's turned against them. You're seeing it. In venture capital firms like Sequoia, one of the mm-hmm. largest in the country, is telling their uh, investment pool to have a year's worth of operating earnings on hand. You know, start cutting back workers right. and all that. And you're and you're seeing those in the numbers. So we've seen the housing prices come up as a result of the Fed increase, a sharp, swift move. that We talk about this rate of change, a couple of points in mortgages. And the next step will be unemployment will start to go up.
0: So let's talk a little bit about that Fed hike as a result. I mean, again, they're trying to cool off the economy. And we're seeing all these different things happen all at the same time. The rate of change is just astounding. We've mentioned before compressed market cycle, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. I mean, we've never been in this world before. And you're seeing all the other um, financial markets, global bankers, they're also increasing. So that's another piece to this puzzle. You know,
1: it is. today we saw the Swiss National Bank,
0: Swiss National Bank. They up went 50. positive
1: by half a point. You saw yep. Bank of England go by half a point. So this, this is not just a U.S. phenomenon right. of inflation. It's a global issue. The war in Ukraine, you have issues with climate that's causing destruction of food crops or weather related issues. There's all kinds of things uh, afoot. You know, the question is, is how long does this last How much can the Fed actually control by raising rates? How much is this is out of the control? But Jason's point, if they're focusing on top line on gasoline, how Mm. much can the Fed, you know, we know that higher prices is the cure for high prices, right? Mm -hmm. But what that implies is demand destruction. Right. Right. And we saw today Kroger made an announcement this morning on the earnings call where there's they're seeing shoppers with a smaller basket of goods and they're substituting for brand names away from the higher, you know, national brands. Yeah,
2: swapping to those store brand names to you know save on that extra little bit. But I, I think yeah, we could do a whole podcast on energy. And we're in a tricky situation with the Fed facing this large inflation number, energy prices that don't have uh, any end in sight uh, with the fundamental supply shortage, uh, Russian invasion, blocking things, uh, other pipelines, Gazprom halting uh, flow. uh, There's a number of things you could go on and on and talking about where the proposed solutions don't exactly align with the solution that would actually help energy. On the
1: timeline, you can't build a uh, gasoline exactly. refining. Plant. Exactly. We haven't built one takes in years. 30 years. Yeah. Uh, all the plant expansion we've seen in this area has all been for plastics mm-hmm. and especially chemicals, right. not for refining gasoline. So one of the things that Jason and I watch is that the 3 one crack spread. I take three barrels of oil, I refine it into two barrels of gasoline, a dollar worth of distillate jet fuel diesel that spread is now it, it was up to about 60 bucks a barrel it's and like 58 or so 58 you look at highs. you look at that over the last uh 15 years it used to be like 15 16 dollars so it's exploded on the margin the plant they're running at full capacity they're 90 capacity but again we've switched from goods to services that summer driving season you know, all that's lifting that demand for gasoline and it's driving up these costs. Right. For five dollar, a little over five bucks national average. My guess is at six bucks a gallon national average for gasoline, you're gonna start seeing demand destruction.
0: Right, right. But you're still seeing profitability by by oh, the refiners. Uh, it's, yeah, and they're it's, not it's gonna stop. Absolutely. I, uh,
1: that's one of the you know, <laughs> we see The whole oil complex is structurally, it it just doesn't have the ability to meet our needs. We've underinvested in it. ESG, different reasons Mm -hmm. that we've seen. Actually, a lot of loss of capital by investors that went in the energy patch the last decade. They've lost a ton of money. So you had a structural uh, underinvestment, and you're starting to see that turn a little bit. But it's going to be... You know, it's a five-year life cycle, per you know as Jason said before they're able to get where they are. You do the little things. You release a little bit on st- strategic petroleum reserve. That is a drop in the bucket. Right. It's it a means band- doesn't even sure. But what it does do is yeah. it creates a bid by the government to replace those lost reserves at, at these higher prices of oil down the line. Right. And then I see this uh, of one of the senators that wants to propose a windfall tax on uh, these oil and gas companies, and all that in my mind does is that raises prices. Or yeah. it creates underinvestment, which raises prices, so they Eventually. come underneath meet those caps. Right. So some of the policies we see are still really out of sync with the economic reality of the oil patch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. So saw a great uh, article uh, this week from American Funds, and I I, I love this quote: "You wouldn't be human if you didn't fear loss." Right. and yeah,
1: that's the truth. And
0: um, we've been kind of saying over the last few months is you know. It it is a roller coaster ride. You don't jump off the roller coaster in the middle of the ride. Then where do you go? And we've already been making some major changes, some major shifts. Markets are made by greed and fear. And typically what you see is people jumping ship on the low end and then jumping back in at the high end. And the name of the game is not to buy high and sell low, but to buy low and sell high. Right, right. Right? And really the only
1: way you can do that is just time in the market. Not timing the market.
0: Exactly. I was going to say, market. not timing the market, but time in the market. Okay. And then and then knowing, like you said, where energy, I mean, energy is going up right now. Well,
1: you know, we had negative $30 a barrel in the pandemic. Exactly. But, you know, <laughs> right? We're at 120 today, right? That's a big swing. Uh, Ukraine in a very war, short period of time.
0: Things.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, part of that, I, I hear energy related to Ukraine, Putin's tax, whatever, all that stuff. Energy was hitting 90 bucks a barrel before the Ukraine war. It was because of that structural underinvestment in that energy patch. So, uh, you know, I I, I see that. um, One of the things that, so there's silver linings. Uh, You know, you have to be an optimist or this business will put you in your grave, right? Mm -hmm. But what we see, and it's something I've harped on off and on, the normalization of monetary policy. That's what's happening so fast underneath our feet. It took inflation to do it, but the Fed is bringing rates to where uh, at the beginning of this year, if I a 10-year real yield, what I get, the 10-year return that I got uh, over or under inflation was negative 1%. Today, or just a few days ago, it was positive by eight-tenths of a percent. So when we saw that real yield where I was getting paid to own a bond, over inflation, it caused us to, to take a look at, you know, three year investment grade debt. Right. And you're getting yields in there of, you know, four point four percent, which is a rapid increase in yields. So the exciting thing is I look at tax free municipals, I look at debt, uh, that is the area that's coming our way for our investors where we're gonna be able to get a return above inflation as the Fed pulls that down and keeps pressing on those rates higher, they're gonna Cross that path. Mm-hmm. We're going to take advantage of that. Slowly, we're very short maturities. So for the most part, I mean, we would call this shorter term. The term is right. duration. It's right. sensitivity price. And where you're seeing things like the 20 year Treasury down 25 percent, you're seeing the ag index down you know 14, 15 percent. You know we're not in that part of the market. Right, We're in the areas that mature fairly quickly so they don't deviate much from par, these shorter maturities mm-hmm. from the maturity level. But what we're waiting for patiently, and we've been patient on this, maybe a little too long, but I'm waiting for that point when those real yields start even going. In my life, I've seen 2% above inflation. But maybe it's one, one and a half we get there. Then you'll start to see us move out, start buying 10-year Governments, corporates, and maybe a little bit longer in treasuries. I have less investment grade risk if I go treasuries out longer. We call that extending that duration out the yield curve. And what that's going to do is it's going to allow us in our balance portfolios where I can get five, six percent locked into that portfolio and I can kind of take a de risk from the equity side. I don't have to get it. There was no, remember Tina? Yeah. There is no alternative to stocks. That term has now changed to Terra. There are reasonable alternatives to stocks, right. and so that's the exciting thing that I see. That wakes me up. I get up every morning. I come here and look at this stuff, and you know, once I get out from underneath my desk on <laughs> these days like this, I start to start to see with uh, the that inner pep talk. <laughs> <going>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody, hey, you sound muffled. Well, I'm underneath well, my I'm desk. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think the um, finally getting something. For your for for the fixed income or the bond side of the portfolio, then a drought. I think clients clients are going to see, wow! I actually get my savings account actually earns. Yeah,
1: your money market start paying that that one yeah. basis point you're getting on your checking account. Right. You know, we were seeing. I was looking at three year CDs the other day at two point nine percent, three percent. How long has it been since you've seen that? A yeah. long, long, a long time. time. So that that helps, you know, our clients that are, you know, in the retirement life mm-hmm. cycle. Uh, and then for the young folks, though, I do want to stress that we are, okay, I'm going to show my old side, those <laughs> Eustonians. You ever heard of a Foley's red apple cell? I mean, this is like, you know. We are looking at a sell on stocks that comes around every decade, yeah. once a decade. That's right. And so if you're young and your investment case is out 20, 30, 40 years, or if you're investing for your grandchild that has yeah. that same stuff, you want to buy stocks. They are on sale today. Right. You know, we're going to guide you through it and get you through all that. But don't let the fear, which mm-hmm. we understand... You remember your loss greater than your gain. Exactly. It's just the nature of you know, the human mind, the way it works. But now's the time we I, we talked about fear and greed, how the pendulum swings. You know, you want to be greedy now.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Now Right. Now's the time. And then for those that like I say are in the in the twilight years, like I'm getting to be with the gray beard and all that <laughs> stuff, you know, I am seeing finally some opportunity like down fixed income where I can go to the beach not to take the equity risk.
0: Yeah, right exactly well and i mean again i think the com- the compressed cycle pandemic just whatever that that fear is has really because you mentioned it it's our sentiment levels are at historic yeah. lows but we haven't seen a normalized interest rate environment this is not pandemic conversation this is 2008 and even further
1: it's it's the uh, exiting of zero interest rate policy yeah around the world Everything's not positive. And um, with that comes associated volatility, like a reentry in a base capsule coming back to earth. Yeah.
0: It's normalization, not just from the last three years, but like you said, the last decade. Uh,
1: So the thing we look at, too, is uh, how much further on rate increases, so there is, the market is starting to try to price in 4% on Fed funds, which would let us go up a little bit higher next year. And then it starts to see the potential for this recession that the Fed may cause. And then the Fed's starting to have to lower rates out in 24. So this compressed cycle we've been talking about is likely to fall over in that fixed income space. I'm well aware of that. I don't know how long that window's going to open, but we want to be nimble. We want to be able to take advantage of it as that opportunity opens up in bonds before it closes on us again right they right. did that in 18 when the fed was last raising rates in 2018 that real rate got positive by one percent for like a month and then immediately the went collapse and went down negative one percent I don't know I think we'll have a little bit bigger of a window with the Fed you know raising rates like they are but and also, don't expect the so-called Fed put. That's what we're trained. Every every new investor, and the vast majority of investors are new. They've come in since 2008. They've experienced nothing but easy money coming down. And whenever the market got a little too turbulent like it is now, the Fed would come in and lower rates, which would kind of protect that down. So I call that the Fed put. Yeah. That's over. That's not happening. The Fed at this point is more focused on inflation than they are about asset prices. I would uh, don't, fight don't, yeah, don't, exactly, fight don't fight the Fed. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. Don't fight the Fed.
2: Don't fight the Fed. Don't fight them. They'll yeah, be I friend think that a podcast a
1: few years them. ago. Don't fight the Fed was it? And you know, here we are now saying the same thing, but on the other side
0: of that trade it goes both ways. Right. Um, okay. Well, before we wrap up, do you have any any last thoughts for our listeners? I mean, I feel like we with this podcast was a little lit, a little late in the release. Um, part of it was all that was going on in the markets, and then knowing that this the Fed meeting was happening yesterday, we kind of try to yeah. time our information around some of that.
1: I do have one little thing to note, and that's the way indexes are comprised. Oh the yeah, this behind is Behind the indexes, one. Yeah,
0: something we need to say. So
1: the S and P 500 is what we call market cap weighted. The largest companies had the biggest percentage point value changes in that index. That happens to be the big technology companies, the so-called FANG, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, mm-hmm. Google, and all that. There is an index called the FANG Plus includes Alibaba and, and Baidu, are the Chinese companies, the big global tech companies. That index is down 35.5% year-to-date. If I look at the S&P as a whole, it's down about 22.91. If I take the equal weight S&P 500, one 500 for each representation, you're outperforming the S&P's decline by about 4 percentage points here to date. So we're seeing still high valuations in those big tech companies in like 17 multiple for the rest of the market. So a lot of the damage has been done. We're probably closer to the capitulation phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something like 20% of the stocks in the S&P 500 are treading below 10 times earnings. You're seeing the market breadth is just completely collapsed. So there's a number of things that makes us feel that we're kind of at that phase of capitulation. Mm-hmm. You're seeing it in these indexes. And just something to understand. So S&P 500 could be more impacted. Vice versa, yeah, when it's on the upside, like it was the last decade, that was the place to be. Right. I'm not arguing active or passive. That's not the purpose of this. I believe, I believe in both. Um, but there are times right now. And so we're going to advocate for stock picking and like we've done. Well,
0: you, you mentioned it before, revenge of the old the revenge revenge of the, of the old, old economy. economy.
1: Yeah. <coughs> ExxonMobil was 30 bucks a couple of years ago. It's mm-hmm. 120 today, you know yeah you you know being able to kind of look at those and see those changes of where we're going, the shift in interest rates, the feds movement, what it does to value versus growth that active managers can move in and take advantage of it doesn't mean we're not going to have it down here uh we still are kind of in and out with the tide in that regard, but we always talk about the ninety eighty we're looking at you know yeah. I just What's want to outperform rate? in down markets. So we're doing our job to try to do that, outperforming in these down markets so we don't have to work so hard when the markets turn up. Mm-hmm. We just want to participate.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to RHP Market Talk. If you have any questions or you'd like to discuss today's topics, please feel free to contact us through our website at royalharborpartners.com. At RHP, we are passionate about planning for your financial future. We're devoted to our relationships with multi-generational families for the creation of successful legacies. Through our one-on-one conversations, we can help you navigate your personal wealth management and investment journey.
3: How different will your life look with the right advice? Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, family. Thank you. Royal Harbor Partners is a registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed by Royal Harbor Partners on this show are their own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.